Hey, hey, everybody. You're listening to Civil Radio 101.7 FM in Abbotsford, serving the Fraser Valley, located on the traditional unceded Stolo territory. This is Bush League Live. I'm your host, Carl Lundgren, and with me is my illustrious guest co-host, Mr. Mitch Bartley. Mitch, welcome back. So we didn't scare you off the first week, huh? I'm not going to lie. I'm actually surprised you had me back. So I'm <laughs> very happy to be here. Well, that, that makes two of us. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> you, you crushed it last week, man. I've been looking forward to this all week. We kind of had to end things uh, in mid-conversation last week because we just ran out of time. But I'm just looking forward to it so much this week. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're live. We're live this week. So don't don't be nervous or anything. It's oh, fine. no, no. Uh, there, there's def- definitely going to be some things slipping out <laughs> for me for sure. So this is your live first live show. You know, don't stress. It's no different than the regular <laughs> ones, you know. Uh, you know, it, it, the only difference is people can call in, right? So if anybody wants to call in and talk to Mitch Bartley, you know, or me, little old me, you can reach us at 604-851-6307. And, uh, you know, we're giving away a pair of uh, Abbotsford Canucks tickets to one lucky caller today. So it's going to be at random. So if you, you have several callers calling in, we're going to pick the best one that we like. And, uh, we'll, you know, we're... we're we can be bribed, you know, so, so, <laughs> one of those things. Um, if you didn't have a chance uh, to write that number down, you can find the phone number on our Instagram at underscore Bush League or on Facebook at Bush League Radio. Also, don't forget that Silver Radio is giving away tickets to every home game this season for the Oxford Canucks. All you got to do is use the hashtag FVMA2021 on Instagram, and you can use it for any post. It doesn't have to be hockey-related. So, so Mitch, you know, right away I want to make sure people who didn't tune in last week, they're very aware of who we have here on the program. So you started your WHL career in Medicine Hat with the Tigers, right? Uh, did Was that just one game or the, what was that? And then you were traded to Vancouver, right? So I, I don't even think it was one game. I honestly, <laughs> I think I played two preseason games and that was about it. Um, there were some underlying issues with the coach for me. And okay. obviously I'm not going to get into that. Um no, no so words. basically, uh, I went into the GM's office and I said, and so at the time the GM was such a good person in general. Okay. Uh, I was young. I was 16 years old. Um, at 16 years old, you don't get a lot of say in where you want to go if yeah. you don't plan on playing for that team. Right. And I, I, I went into the office, I, I, I gave him my grievances and he looked at me and said, okay, where do you want to go? And I said, Vancouver. Because yeah. they were brand new in the league at the time. That was their first year in the league. When I, when, I turned, when I was 16 years old, that was their first year in the league. And I said, I'd like to go to Vancouver. Yeah. And, um, Plus, so, you're from here as well, right? Oh, so, I mean, it's, it's it, it was a no-brainer. No, it was a no-brainer. Must have been a, a big relief, though, when that happened. Uh, it, was, it, it, was de- it definitely was. Because when I got traded, I was 16 years old. Um, I didn't play in the league at the time. I didn't play in the WHL at the time. So, I didn't play for... Uh, for medicine hat i actually came home and i played for burnaby which at yeah. the time their junior a team was the bulldogs that's right but now i think i believe now it's now the coquitlam bulldogs at least yeah. it it, I, it you it was a few years ago that it's changing so it, much it, there's so many changes in terms of junior in, in just junior teams in, yeah. in general so yeah. um so when i was 16 i came came back home played junior a in burnaby had a great time in burnaby i had some great coaches there i learned a lot um and then I was waiting for a trade. And so it, I, I don't remember when it happened, but at, I believe at the, at the time it was like one of the biggest blockbuster trades of the year. There was, it was a 10-player swap. Okay. So it, yeah. was, it was five players a team. Right. Wow. It was crazy. You like, don't see those very you often. Don't see, you rarely see those. No. So it was absolutely crazy. So um, I went to the first game where, when I came home, I went to the first game where all the guys that I was with in Medicine Hat, those other four guys that I was in Medicine Hat with, uh, I went to that first game 
to watch the Giants. I I mean, Ron Toygo is the owner of the Giants, and he yeah. is such a good owner. Like he took care of the players. He made sure he he made sure to the he knew every player by their first name. Wow! Like they, what it, GM does that, right? It, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and and the fact is, like when when I first got traded there, he he brought all the guys, the new guys that were that were traded there, put us in a box, came up to the box and hung out with us. Uh, one of the guys that got traded ended up scoring a hat trick his first game there. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, Adam Corshane. I think he's in the Minnesota system somewhere. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And so Ron Toygo looks at me and he's just like, "Hey, did you get a jacket yet?" I'm like, "Well, no." And he looks at me. He's like, "Okay, here you go." Takes the jacket off his back, gives it to me. It's a literally the nice, shirt, the, the literally shirt the shirt his off his back. <laughs> literally, Vancouver Giants logo on this super nice leather jacket. Just hands oh. it to me. He's like, "Here." Oh, that's awesome. Now that was my first experience in Vancouver, and so I knew that it was something special when I got traded to this team. That's awesome, and and I mean, you you had 123 goals, 120 assists, and 243 points in 319 games over four seasons with the Giants. I think that puts you fifth place all-time points totals with them. And uh, so, obviously, they were happy to have you as well. <laughs> well, what that stat line doesn't tell you is that a lot of the time I'm standing in front of the net and pucks are bouncing off me and in. That, that's how I scored my goals. I, 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 took, I took the shots in the back of the leg, in the back, in the back, in the back of the head, yeah. and just to score goals like that. You don't get points for style. <laughs> <laughs> well, some guys do. That wasn't my style. That's, let's uh, put it that way. So do you, do you still follow the Giants a lot, uh, go to many of the games or anything like that? You know what? Um, I, I still talk to a lot of the people that are in the system. Um, one guy in particular, he's been trying to get me out to a few games, and I, I keep I – and I feel so bad about this, guys. I keep rejecting because I, I do have prior engagements, Yeah. Uh, yeah. whether it be just plans that I've already made and tried to keep and, or work. Right? Yeah. So um, I've been trying to get out there, and I know that they, they now play in the Langley Event Center. Yeah. So are they are they at half capacity now? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, they're in the Metro Vancouver Authority, so there was different rules around that. So the Vancouver Canucks were at full capacity because of the regulations in that health health region, whereas yeah. Abbotsford has always been at 50%. So now it's 50%. Now that's why Vancouver is not having the games. So I'm not sure how that's impacted the Giants. I haven't really been following them too much this year because uh, they're outside of the immediate Canucks organization. But uh, definitely something I'd like to look at. See, yeah. well, yeah. So, but and that's the thing. Like, you go from so when I first played with them, we they were at the Coliseum. They were at the Pacific Coliseum downtown. Like mm-hmm. their lower bowl, I think, holds seven thousand. I could yeah. be wrong on that yeah. number, but I believe it's around there, or maybe even more. Yeah. Um. And uh, from where they are at the Langley Event Center, I think their whole area arena just holds six. Yeah, I think it's it's around the same as the Abbotsford yeah. Center. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Which oh, is, is around, that right, eh? I'm pretty sure when I saw the stat on that, which is around 7,000. I thought it was closer to 9,000, actually, but I could be wrong on that as well. But uh, regardless, yeah, like you say, Pacific Coliseum, that must have been something to play in that rink, man. Because you, you must have watched Canucks games growing up in that arena itself. I, I And I said last week, like, everybody watched the 94 playoff run yeah that's where that was and so yeah. and now here i am at my my age at 16 7 or sorry 17 to 20 dressing in the same room that these old canucks did wow playing in the same arena wow like it's absolutely crazy and so what was super cool during my time in playing in juniors is that we played during the year of the lockout i think it was 2003 yeah was it 2003 i think it was 2003 so they open up the entire arena. I'm like, I'm 17, 18 years old playing in front of 
well, I don't know how much the how like how much does a Coliseum hold? Coliseum, I think it was 16, 17, 18? Yeah, it was like oh yeah, it was over thousand. Yeah, we're playing in front of a full sold out. Like at seventeen, at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, like that's a big freaking deal. Did they used to cover up those? Uh, did they used to cover up those uh, the, the upper decks though in those games? No, that's those when they were... opened it up. That's, oh, that was wow. the year of the lockout. So they opened it up, and like we're playing in front of a packed building in the Pacific Coliseum. Yeah. So and that's and that's the difference between what it was back then and to what it is now. Like I mean, they're playing in front of five, six thousand yeah. people now, maybe. But that Langley that Langley Arena is that's really a gorgeous. It's a beautiful that is, arena. That's a gorgeous arena. Yeah. So I and mean, they're, they're they're super lucky to get a brand new arena like that to be able to play in. I mean, just just the whole community gets that right, and that's that that's what makes it really special. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, as we mentioned before, uh, we are live today, so if anyone wants to call in and talk to Mitch about his time with the Giants or just anything in general, uh, see what kind of, what color underwear he's wearing, I don't know, whatever you, whatever floats your boat there, folks. Let's keep it classy, though. My family's <laughs> listening, so, you know, I don't you. you know, let's keep it classy. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Abbotsford Canucks, uh, so I, you know, I'll do my, seg- my, my ups and downs segment here right away to get started. Not a lot of action. They did sign a new forward, uh, uh, Kelty Jerry Leon. And uh, our and and defenseman Garrett Johnson to professional tryout agreements on Sunday last week. I didn't see either of them play in the game uh, last last night, but um, you know I'll keep an eye out for them. We'll see. Uh, I really liked what I saw on Sunday from recent signing Nicholas Guai, number ninety one. I think he could be a good asset for the Abbey squad. And uh, you know he's twenty he's twenty two years old, six feet tall, one hundred and ninety pounds. You know, strong junior career over in the Q- QMJHL. He had 116 goals, 145 assists, uh, 261 points in 312 games. Uh, most of that was with uh, Drummondville, the Voltigeurs. Yeah, I think I pronounced that correct, correctly. Voltigeurs. For my French-Canadian. Les Voltigeurs. Les Voltigeurs. And, uh, yeah, actually, that looks like a very similar career to Mitch Bartley here. I'll tell you right there. Look at that. <laughs> but, yeah, so this this kid, I got, he's, he's got a lot of potential. Looks really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see see how that pans out. So the Bakersfield series was, was a total disaster. Uh, I heard. Yeah. And uh, the thing that a lot of people don't realize looking at that is, um, first of all, it, you know, they're both, we're both mid-level teams, Bakersfield and the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, I I feel that Bakersfield is a team that we should be able to take three or four games against at home, especially at home like that. Uh, but COVID just wreaked havoc on our roster. Uh, we were missing key players throughout that series. Game one was a blowout, six-two loss. Game two and three, we barely dressed fifteen players in those games. I think in game two we dressed fourteen players. Uh, you know, and I, I heard a story about one of the new defensemen we signed last week. They were they were pulling. Uh, gear out of the out of the lost and found so he could play because he didn't his gear hadn't arrived on uh, yet so they were rushing him into production so it just shows you what it was like but uh, so kind of a rough break for these guys i mean it's been like this all year for these guys mitch uh they've just been getting rough break after rough break and uh you know it's one of those things so game two was a rough one to take there and like i said they scored two goals bakersfield in the last two minutes sorry last minute of the game how much of that do you think was the short short roster like that? Uh, you know, longer shifts and, and more shifts. Well, I mean, situations like that, you got to look at it. Everybody's in the same boat. 
right? Yeah. Everybody's being hit by the exact same thing, but unfortunately, like, so obviously some teams more than others. Like, it, it, how many players did Bakersfield have out, do you know? They, they had a full roster that night, actually, pretty much the whole and series. And it makes a difference. Like, and we talked about taxi squads last weekend, right? Like, how many guys are away from the team because of that? Yeah, well, we, we don't have Spencer Martin. He's on the, up in the Canucks, and he play, He was backing up today because Slack went on, but we'll talk about that later. But, and, and, that's, yeah. and that's just the thing. Like, There's a huge trickle-down effect from the big club all the way down to here, right? And then even even lower in the coast, in the ECHL team. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just about guys trying to find ways to deal with it. It's about finding yeah. ways to battle through those different types of diff- difficult situations, and it's about basically how hard you want to battle and, and and to a point i mean it's you hit you hit a point where that's all you have yeah right yeah and so and you, you see it in these games that they've played over the last couple over the last couple of days well i'll tell you game three i was i was at the game there on uh on sunday and it was pretty obvious how tired and beat down the atmosphere team was you know they lost they lost that game four nothing and uh tr- coach Trent call was commenting on that in the media scrum he said that uh you know, he he really wants to. I shouldn't say me scrum. It's a media Zoom call now. But uh, <laughs> he, he. You mean you, they didn't have you running around asking who's who? No. <laughs> and uh, and they wanted to make. You know, they really want to represent this crowd because they really don't take for granted the fact that they have the best crowd in this in this division, and they really wanted to represent. But it just it was it was like fighting an uphill battle for them the whole series. And as a result, they uh, you know really advocated for getting that Monday's game postponed uh, due to COVID. And I think, I mean, it couldn't have hit at a worse time to try and reschedule two games from earlier from the floods into this set right when we were losing players with COVID. It was just a horrible disadvantage for them. And um, they're again just a bad break, like you said. They're all dealing with the same, but it's just a bad break. Yeah. Well, it's it's strict. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. That's that's basically that all you can see because they're trying to make up the game. Like you said, they're trying to make up the games from the floods, but at the same time, they have half of a roster that's yeah. healthy. Yeah. And how do you expect to be competitive with that many players against a fully healthy roster against that you're that you're playing against? Well, not only that, but coming up against a fairly hot goaltender, and and in that regard, I wanted to comment on that. You know, uh, Condor's uh, Bakersfield Condor's goaltender Stuart Skinner. Uh, he got called back up to Edmonton after this this strong series against uh, us here in, in Abbotsford. So, you know, congrats to him. And I got to tell you, I was been at the games there, and our section was really giving him a hard time. We're kind of laying in, uh, laying in the old Simpsons Skinner, <laughs> right, the whole time. So, you know, and you can see him get you get his attention. You can see it's getting under his skin. But he played great. He's definitely a, a guy that you'll see in the NHL. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, he, I bet you he probably laughed about it too. Oh, he had to love that. <laughs> I mean, if he hasn't heard it before, then, you He's know. yelling under his mask, steamed hams. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. And, oh, and speaking of goalies getting a break, um, here's here's a story of a guy named Spencer. Uh, that didn't really work. That, that worked in my head. <laughs> you, you almost yeah, had it, though. I don't know. I thought that worked in my head. But uh, he got his Stanley Cup ring this week, Spencer Martin. He did. Yeah. That's right. So great score. Great story on this guy. You know, uh, what a great story he is. Great goaltender. There again, we got three great goaltenders in the Abbotsford Canucks organization. I guess technically Spencer Martin's more than the Vancouver one right now. But, uh, you know, as an impending restricted free agent back in 2019, uh, following the conclusion of his entry level contract with Colorado, he got, he wasn't tendered the qualifying offer. So he was dumped in June, 2019. Uh, and then on the opening day of the free agency, he got signed to a two way contract with the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, now 
Martin was one of the eight players called up by the Lightning for their training camp prior to the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Hence the ring. Mm. But uh, it's it, it, when you look on his profile, you don't really you don't see the uh, the, the any games in the Tampa Bay uh, in the Tampa Bay uh, organization. So that's why it's one of those things that people would be confused by if they were uh, you know googling that stat. But. <laughs> But yeah, we were happy on uh, on May third, twenty twenty one. Martin signed a one year, two way contract extension with the Lightning, and then during that off season, he uh, was traded to the Canucks in exchange for future considerations. And we're certainly happy to have him in the organization here. So, and I I got to tell you, I, I really think Spencer Martin is the future backup goalie for the Vancouver Canucks because uh, I really think. Uh, Halak's on his way out. I think uh, there's no way we talked about this last week. We did, yeah. And I don't think there's any way that the Vancouver organization can pay can cover that ten plus game bonus that he's going to get uh, into their salary cap next year. Well, and and it's actually unfortunate because from what I understand, he actually just went into COVID protocol today. He did, yeah, yeah. And Spencer so, Martin was brought in off the. And but I mean, part. that's obviously going to play into the fact that he's not going to. It's not going to contribute to his ten games, right? And that's right. But at the same time, I mean, how many more back-to-backs do the Canucks have coming up after, like, within the next few weeks after he comes out of it? So there's still a chance that he might he might get into that bonus, right? Well, I think it's an absolute certainty by the end of the season he'll be in that bonus. He uh, has yeah, nine games too. already, right? Yeah, well, exactly. He just so, yeah, exactly. I think he just needs the one. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, if if they trade away his contract, I'm pretty sure that that becomes somebody else's problem because the bonus plays off next year's hit. So that's where the Canucks could play him through the 10 games and then feed him to another team and feed that salary cap issue off. But, um, you know, it's one of those things. What could we get in return? Now, I'd, um, I had heard rumors. Uh, oh, well, we'll touch on that a little more later about that Hlack, uh trade rumor. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't see any way that they can keep him. So I could see Spencer Martin moving up and then having Arter Seeloff filling that backup role to Michael DiPietro. Uh, and that's the thing. Last night we were in uh, San Diego. Our squad was in San Diego to face the Gulls, and uh, that's the Anaheim's farm team. And I'm not sure if you know, so they have a really good following down there in San Diego. It looks like a lot of, yeah. So pretty, do they actually? Yeah, pretty cool uh, stadium of fans. They do two dollar beer nights, so obviously they they get so a lot of. Really, what are they following? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, Anything's. I'm, I guarantee you, the hockey's so good down there too. That's the thing. Yeah, well, anything's interesting if you have enough uh, beer, right? So it's, uh, but no, they they uh, they love their team down there in 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 uh, San Diego, and uh, you know this was kind of a battle of a battle of the bottom dwellers, so to speak, in the league, uh, or at least in our division. But you know we handily beat the Gulls uh, back. I saw that on December fifteenth, and Spencer Martin, the guy, well, I was talking so much about Spencer Martin here, but he had a shutout at the time, and I think if I'm not mistaken, that was the first shutout. That was the first franchise shutout for the Abbotsford Canucks as well. Uh, but uh, is it was it really? Yeah, I think it was the first one. I remember no that when, I, when we had that one. So uh, that was the first franchise shutout that happened back then. So you you could hear the announcers down in San Diego. They 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 really they were like, oh well, you know, Abbotsford's coming off three losses. We're going to beat them, and then we just pound them again five to one last night so you know i'm not pulling any punches because those guys weren't being very friendly towards our team in the oh in the announcing well not, they weren't being like cold but they were you know definitely not being they weren't uh, pulling punches is what you're saying they weren't being very neutral in the broadcast let's put it that way so um but we had some key players back in the lineup uh we had uh nick 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 patan sheldon drives jet Wu back in the lineup 
DiPietro played like the DiPietro we all know and love. Uh, he had an absolutely disgusting save at the end of the second period to keep us ahead by three going into the third. Uh, stopping a textbook two-on-one cross-ice wired one-timer. Uh, no one could believe the puck stayed out of the net. Even the player that that did the shot kind of gave up and gave gave DPH a little tap and said, "Nice job." Yeah. Like, <laughs> See, when when saves are made like that, yeah. regardless of what team you play on, you got to give the guy props. But it was one of those things. It's funny. They're again listening to those uh, announcers down in San Diego talking about Spencer Martin, like he was the second coming of Jesus, and because he got the shutout against them the previous time, and they're like, "Well, and they got this other guy in, Michael DiPietro," and they're almost talking like, <laughs> "This other guy, <laughs> we'll make no problem with this guy." It's like, dude, some homework, guys. Yeah, Team Canada, boys. come on, yeah, here no we kidding. go. Like, uh, so uh, yeah, it was one of those things. So it's great to see DiPietro play great. He's had a couple of shaky uh, starts lately, so he looks great. That's going to bode well. We're playing them again uh, tonight, so let's uh, you know hammer them goals home. Uh, that would be great to see. So um, <laughs> I had this noted there, but uh, I now know why they they call them the goals and not the eagles. Oh, yeah, why is that? Well, because i got no fight in them, I'll tell you, man. There's a killer instinct <laughs> on that team. Oh, is this you not pulling they punches no, now? They got no killer. No, oh, no. This no, is you not pulling no punches. No punches pulled, All man. Right. I'm telling you, they got no killer instinct, those guys. Uh, they outplayed us for most second period and still outscored them. So, you know, one of those things. But that's, I mean, you can easily outplay a team, but where do you get your shots from? That's is right. It, is it from the perimeter or is it actually in scoring areas, right? Well, and that's the thing. And, like, they, they were definitely outplaying us in neutral zone, but when they got into the offensive zone, it was like the, the puck was on fire and burning off their stick. They didn't want to, and I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in a, <laughs> okay, so I was it's just a hot say, potato yeah. situation where the puck just couldn't stay on their sticks when they needed to shoot it. So and that's the thing, that, and that's that's the. I shouldn't say it's the beauty part of hockey. Is that it's really, it, you could play the best period that you possibly can and get zero shots or, or very minimal shots, and it's yeah. but it be, be because it's not graded upon how you look on the ice. It's what's on the scoreboard. Well, it's like we said earlier, no points for style. <laughs> you don't get points. <laughs> not for not style, on, you well, just not get on the ice for anyways. Yeah, not on the ice anyways. <laughs> no, <laughs> brownie points, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Those don't count though. But, um, yeah, so uh, the Bailey-Stevens pairing really heating up and looking great. Uh, looked great last night. Can't wait to see how they do tonight. So watch them make an impact in tonight's game against the Gulls at 7 p.m. on AHL TV. It'll be a packed house tonight in San Diego because they got Superhero Night at the arena. And every year they do that, and that's a big that's a big one for them. Do they really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So oh I'm actually looking forward God. to watching I, the broadcast. Gosh, I want to see some pictures of that <laughs> for sure. No kidding. And it's such a rowdy crowd off the $2 beers oh that uh, uh, they you – know, so I can tonight, only imagine. Tonight could be a tough one going in that building and trying to take that second win away after we've already taken two off them in the, in the season set, right? So Well, what didn't – what was the score last night? Uh, f- uh, four to one. It was four to one. Oh, no, five five to one last night. Pardon me. So five I mean, obviously the gulls are gonna come out and they're gonna want something. Oh, they're gonna come they're, out. They're gonna want their pound of flesh for sure, and so they're gonna do whatever they can to get it. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, you got to figure that Artis Seeloff is gonna get the start uh, tonight with back-to-back games. They'll probably rest DiPietro. I don't know, or maybe they just know they need this win and they'll play DiPietro again because he played so well last night. Well, especially they got, they got a claw back from that eight-point swing uh, from Bakersfield, right? That's well, I guess, I guess it was a six-point now because, I mean, that one game was postponed. That's right. That's right. So maybe they maybe they, maybe they they stay with, with DiPietro just for that reason. But, I mean, it, that's obviously something a coach would look into. But, hey, that's that's not our business. Yeah, well, ex- <laughs> well exactly. I mean, they're, they're good. I, I would be fine seeing either of them in net. Like, Artis Seeloff... Up until that last appearance, but I really he got peppered pretty good. But 
it's one of those things, 4 nothing loss against Bakersfield, last start we saw with Artis Seeloff. But he's been looked great all all year. He's been the uh, only goalie with the winning record on the Abbotsford Canucks for most of the season. And so I don't mind seeing him play. But, but I really liked how DPHO played last night. So yeah. Well, and I, I think I mentioned it last week too, but I mean, it's 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 the bounce back. It's what you see that what, what the player, if they have a bad game, it's what they come back with the next game is what really matters. That's right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then we, we've got we've got that game tonight, and then we play the always tough Ontario Reign on Monday at 3 p.m. So pretty tight schedule here, right? Uh, you know, three games in in four days. So a lot of these tight schedules coming in. But is this, I know all, is this all on the road? This is on the road right now, that's, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that's a tough one. When we go down to Ontario, it's easier for them to schedule these. That's the thing. Welcome to the AHL <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> coverage. Yeah, you know, no it's it's uh, they they'll they'll do these weird back to backs in two different arenas, but they're both in California, right? So it's close enough. But you still got to change hotels. And still, but then that's the thing. You got to well, I don't actually. I don't know how the AHL travels. Do they still travel by plane or they travel by bus? Do you know, I think when they get down into Calif- like down into there, it's by bus. But I imagine with COVID, they would have to be flying by plane. I mean, I'm gonna ask that next time I'm at the arena. I'm yeah, just, yeah. Well, I've, I'm just I'm curious about how they travel. Like I, I know obviously if they got to go across the country, they they're obviously yeah. gonna fly, right? They're not gonna bus. They're 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 no yeah. Mickey. They're no Mickey Mouse. Uh, situation here so but i mean here playing in both those games down in, in Cal- like going from san diego up to the inline empire there in la you you, you got to figure they're probably bussing it they're not flying no I, mean, I would i would assume <laughs> so i mean i don't so, i don't imagine it being that far apart so that's still like a solid two-hour bus ride change hotels after having played the previous night and then having to play again so you know it's it's, it's going to be a tough one plus ontario rain are just a very difficult team in our division to play against especially for us this year and we've struggled with them this year. So that'll be a big one. We'll see how that plays out. And then we're back. Uh, next two home games are uh, next weekend against the Gulls here in Abbotsford. Saturday's game will be at 7 p.m. Sunday's game will be at 4 p.m. Folks in Abbotsford, do not miss this one. Uh, uh, there'll be a lot of fun. Good game. Good team to play. Plus, apparently, they're the only team we can beat. So, you know, it's one of those. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, that, that was. Uh, I'm being cheeky. No, okay. And let, let's say full disclosure: the Abbotsford Canucks have had a lot of bad luck this year. So, that you know what, the the wins will start to come, folks. And I definitely see them being a contender in the division this year. So, um, now as always, folks, please don't drink and drive if you're going to be attending the games, and remember to wear your masks at all times while in the arena, unless you are eating or drinking. So. Yeah, on that note, let's move on to the Canucks. We were talking about Canucks trade possibilities. It's been heating up more and more. You know, Canucks Army is touching on that in an article the other day. Um, I read, you know, it was pretty in-depth comparison of trading uh, Miller versus Besser. I don't know if that was Canucks Army or if it was another, uh, a piece from another uh, another article. But it was pretty cool because we've talked a lot about Miller on this broadcast in the past. And uh, I really think trading him would be smart if uh, we can get, you know, uh, if we can get like a one, you know, like a first rounder and maybe a depth player, someone like that might be a really good trade for the, for Miller right now. What are your thoughts? I mean, again, like how do you go to trading your top point getter? I mean, it, it, again, this year it's, it's, it's been back and forth. I mean, we, the start of the year, everybody was just like, okay, trade everybody. Right. Like everybody was in that mindset. Just, just trade people. Like, let's get a better team. Like people were yeah. talking about trading Petey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about trading Peterson. And like, how do you go and do that? Like I I said last week, like he's literally your franchise player, but uh, why would you make that 
like a topic of a conversation. I mean, the guy, like yeah. I said, I, I think I mentioned it last week where the guy put on 20 pounds and it's hard to play a new season yeah. coming back at a totally different weight trying to do the things that you did the season before. And I mean, I don't know if you saw the game against Carolina. Did you see it? Yeah. There was, there was one highlight. He went to take a snapshot off on his off wing, broke his stick or a stick got knocked out of his hands and he just kind of tried to skate away and the goalie tried to poke the puck at his feet. Hit his feet and he went face first into the boards. So that was today's game you're talking about. Was, it, was that the Carolina game? That was today. Is yeah. that today? So yeah. yeah. So there was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So there. I don't know. Keep your eye out for it. If you ever watch the highlights for that yeah. game, it'll literally say this is the part where Peterson gives up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like that, that, I thought it was funny because yeah. it's basically his season in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you and I hit the nail on the head with that last week because I was watching since we talked about that. I watched the games this week. You know, down in Florida and. I'll tell you, he uh, he definitely seems like he's his body's just not reacting to the speed he's expecting it to react to. And so there's an adjustment that needs to be made to this additional size that he's picked up. And I think once that happens, you're going to see him just starting to be a powerhouse again. Yeah. And even even better because of the additional size. Yeah, and so, sorry, Carl, I totally got away from your question there about Miller. Um, no, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I just, I, you know, just, I'm just going off on tangents right now. That's the what I'm doing. Hey, that's what you're but, here for, my friend. <laughs> but I mean, again, like he's what he, you said last week. He was tied, uh, tied in what ninth in the league, fifth in the league at the time. He was at the ninth time. He was ninth league. in the league. Yeah, tied for points. I think he's up to 18th now, but still, these that and that's the difference. Like those couple of games make a big difference. Yeah, right? it does. Yeah, so, for sure. But I mean, how do you go from trading your your biggest point getter? Well, here's in in a season that the, the the type of season that they're having right now, you don't know what you're going to get at the end. I agree, and the thing is, well, it, to an extent, I agree, simply because we get a little bit of success there in a ten game stretch, and now we're obviously struggling a little bit with the last three games. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But the the we get that little bit of success, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, let's trade our top points guy because of the long term issues he could present. That's you know, I I will admit that I'm still in that same boat just because. Because of the fact that we don't have a lot of draft picks over the next couple of years. No, we really don't. And I don't know how we get a first rounder. How do we get a first rounder? And to me, like you realistically, uh, you trade Miller, you can get that. And I mean, that's that's tough. But he's going to be a $9 million a year guy when he re-signs. He's 28 right now. He'll be 30 when he re-signs. Like, we're just going to lose him anyways. We're not going to be able to re-sign this guy. I agree 100%. Like you, if you need to get rid of, well, I shouldn't say if you need to, but I mean, to, to want something back for the type of token piece that he is, you're not selling yourself short by asking anything less or sorry, you're selling yourself short by asking for anything less than a first rounder. Yeah. At least in my eyes, the way that he's been playing and the way that he's been presented on the team and, and, Mm -hmm. and to the fan base. Like he literally, other than than Bo Horvat, like he is, and and Pedersen, he is like the face of the team too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and he's he's really been acting in a very captaincy kind of role. I mean, he's in his, he's got the A on his chest for a reason. Now, I've heard rumblings, kind of moving away from Miller here, but I've heard rumblings of a trade with uh, Dallas involving Halak for John uh, Klingberg, uh, who would be just what the Canucks kind of need right now for this season. Uh, the only downside to Klingberg is uh, it kind of goes against the philosophy Rutherford laid out in the sense that I don't, you know, we we probably would have no hope of affording Klingberg uh, when he hits free agency. So this would be more of a immediate production trade. 
because uh, we don't necessarily need Halak. We don't. Like, we have Spencer Martin that can fill that role. We have Artur Seeloff that can fill that role. We've got Michael DiPietro that can fill that role. We don't really need a backup goalie as much. It could impact the development of DiPietro, not having him play those starting that starting role in Abbotsford, which is what the Canucks want to do. But, you know, we got to think that having that immediate impact might be beneficial to losing a player that's really not as vital to the team at this point. Well, okay, uh, I agree to a point, but what like what impact would a player like Klingberg give you? Because I mean, he he has been very point producing in maybe two or three of the last 5 years. Yeah. Like what does yeah. he what does he bring to our team now other than experience? And he 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 obviously can teach the younger guys that we have on that that, that the Vancouver Canucks have on that decor. Yeah. What else does he bring? Well, just maybe a little more depth to a decor that's really hurting right now. I mean, when you look at the Abbotsford Canucks during that COVID protocol issue, they dressed, I think, four or five defensemen during those games, right? So that's, that's how do you that's tough? What do you like? How do you win games when you when you're playing? It's basically a rugby game, like at that point. Well, and, and then, well, that's exactly it. Because as soon as as soon as an opposing team sees that you are playing with less players than you can actually ice, they're gonna go after those players. Like yeah. every time, they're basically going to just dump it into the corner and they're just going to crash and bang every single chance that they get. And what that does is that it runs players down. And it in, the, in that case, players are more prone to injury. And it's it's it goes it puts them in a situation where they get tired and all of a sudden mm. they make mistakes. So yeah. I mean, it's it, that and that's that's the that's the type of uh, I want to say that's what I mean. That's the type of situation you find yourself in when you play shorthanded. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the big COVID break that saw us only play one game in 30 days leading up to Tuesday's game against the Florida Panthers. You know, many were calling this the Boudreaux training camp. And there were, you know, high hopes. Obviously, it's easy for high hopes when you're coming off of a 9-0-1, 10-game stretch. But, you know, there were high hopes that we would come out strong, even stronger than, than that, than in those 10 games with the players having had time to learn the, the Boudreaux way of doing things, so to speak. Um, but, we, you know, we touched on this last week, how much of an impact losing that competitive edge during these, you know, you're practicing, but you're not game, there's no game time. Uh, we mentioned how much that can really impact you, right, Mitch? I mean, well, I mean it's, it's tough because you're not in that game type situation. You're not, you're not playing... To up to the level where you expect yourself to play because, I mean, you're playing against your own teammates, right? Yeah. So, and it, it, and it's funny you mentioned the, the Boudreaux training camp. I actually have a story for my brother. Yeah. So, when Boudreaux was coaching in Minnesota, my brother actually got, my brother actually, uh, he signed as a free agent there. Okay. Uh, back then. And so, the, Boudreaux had this this drill called the mountain climb. Yeah, I've heard about this. It's it's all it's otherwise known as the forty five second. Forty five. Yeah. So yeah. you basically start off on the goal line. You go to the blue line back, red line back, far blue line back, far in and back. You have to do that in forty five seconds. And that's tough. Like oh. I mean, you don't. You might not think it is, but I mean, no, it is. It is tough. Like I have done that so many times over over my short junior career. Like it's it's ridiculously hard. Man, I couldn't get up and down this hallway outside of the <laughs> studio in forty five seconds. <laughs> So, so, but that's the thing. And so his rule was, is that if you didn't make it in 45 seconds, you had to go with the next group that was up. Oh, so now you got to go again. You had to go again and again and again oh, wow. until you made that 45 seconds. 
As long as you're not getting any faster, the more times. Oh you God, do it. no! Like you, you're literally you're 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 making your time longer every single time. It's t- like, and that's but that's just the thing because it's not it, if you finished it the first time or the second time, great that you were done. And mm-hmm. it, he didn't care whether or not. And this is what my brother told me. Um, he, you didn't. He didn't care whether or not you actually made the time. He cared whether or not you still put in the effort to try and make it, regardless of how tired you were. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that competitive edge in every single situation on the ice. Well, he respects people who work hard in practice. I saw a clip of him talking to Petey. You can see Petey's really struggling this year. I feel bad for the guy. He, he is that's the thing, like the the points will come with a player like that. He's a generational talent. But I just feel bad that he's really beating himself up more than even the Canucks fans are. And I just want to see success out of him because he's such a classy player. But he's in that practice with Boudreaux, and Boudreaux's like, you know, he's like, Pete, you, you were the hardest working guy in practice before you – because he went out on COVID, right? He said, before you went on COVID, in that practice, you were the hardest working guy in that practice. He goes, that'll start to work for you, kid. Like, that'll work for you. Just give it time. I know that you, you, you kind of edited that that little quote there because I know Boudreaux throws a lot more F-bombs than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It I know is he does. I know. I know he does that. My it's family funny. is listening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. But but that and so but that's why the, the Canucks are so much more exciting to watch now is because Boudreaux, he, he wants to let them play their offensive game. Yeah. But at the same time, without sacrificing the defensive aspects in their zone. And it's, yeah. that's why it's been so fun to see. I mean, obviously, Florida wasn't exactly the best game to watch. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about those games for a minute. So here's the thing. I actually heard a really cool uh, quip out there on the I, – I can't, I can't remember who it was. I was covering it uh, in, the, in the Sportsnet broadcast. But he said um, – he goes – because they have a bunch of guys subbing in for COVID right now on, the, on these broadcasts. So, anyways, but it, it, he's he he reminded me of that Alberta, the Valley of Doom. Back in the old days, they called it the Valley of Doom when you went in Alberta because you had to play Edmonton and Calgary because they would usually align with the schedule, right? Uh, so now it's there's emerging this in that southeastern U.S. corridor of the you know it's like there's that you got the Panthers, Lightning, Hurricane, Capitals, you know St. Louis, Nashville, and they're all in that same area. So you end up playing them in like sequence. So like the people got to realize. The Canucks went into this road trip. They're playing the best teams in the NHL. Literally the best teams in the NHL. Yeah, the best teams. And they're still trying to gel and figure out, like, let's remember where they were, you know, not even five weeks ago, right? Come on. Like, we got to just be realistic about our expectations a little bit here, people. You know, they they weren't going to come in here and and continue to win all these games. I think if they pull two wins out of these seven games, I think that's, that's very encouraging to me. Well, and, and and I don't want to say like that's that's good, but from from the standpoint of how their team looks right now against the teams that they're playing against, yeah, I I would say that's actually that's it's a, it's attainable, but at the same time you ha- you have to make sure that you're in that game n- night in and night out competing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as long as they do that, they give themselves a chance every single time. Yeah. Well, like I say, it really is a seven game stretch from hell uh, with six of the games on the road. And the three tough losses to start off the Panthers on Tuesday, Lightning on Thursday, and then Hurricane this afternoon. And, you know, there's been so many good things. The shot totals have been close. The games have been close. The possession totals have been close. It's just what I've noticed the difference has been these teams that we're playing, these top elite teams, man, can they just can connect some beautiful plays. And I think it almost catches, catches Demko off guard. Like Demko will stop any easy shot. It's just... 
Well, you know, won't give up a lot of rebounds, but it's one of those. If they make a nice, pretty play and it goes in, what do you do? Like, yeah. You can't do anything about no. that. It, it, and that's just the thing. Like it, it, teams like that, the reason why they're so good is that because they know where they're going to be on the ice. They they they've done it. I mean, how many? How long have they been playing together? Like that's just the thing. Like yeah. those top teams, yeah. those are the guys that have been playing together for so long. Is that they understand where they're each going to be on the ice, and so they put the, the puck in those areas, knowing that their line mates are going to be exactly where they expect them to be. Yeah. And exactly. so when you when you make plays like that, and the puck is in the back of your net, I mean, what are you going to do other than literally play, do your job? Like if you're yeah. on the defensive side, do your job, and it shouldn't. But I mean, if it's if if the the plays are that nice, and it's just it's that easy for the other team, then it, that's just the way it goes. Hey, speaking of speaking of which, we'll come back to the Cox and Memphis. Speaking of uh, playing together, uh, the Sid, Malkin, and Latang with uh, with Evgeny Mal- Malkin coming back this week, uh, that trio began their 16th season in a row together, setting an NHL record. That's I did the, see that stat, too. That's longest. actually super cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's yeah. the longest in league history. Uh, so they passed Beliveau. Uh, sorry, they passed, uh, yeah, Beliveau. Uh, oh, I have the wrong name here, but uh, it was Belleville, Richard, and who would that have been? Regardless, anyways, that was 15 seasons, but yeah, and then the, the currently the, the active one is uh, uh, Brown, Kopitar, and Quick with 15 seasons in LA. So, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on that, but that's pretty cool just on that topic. <laughs> I mean, and those, those names aren't anything to sneeze at either, right? No, what a, <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty good company to surpass, I guess. Yeah, exactly, right? But, uh, yeah, so a couple positives that I wanted to pull out of the out of the stre- of this road stretch so far, that Canucks fourth line has played amazing. Uh, huge shout out to uh, you know uh, Mr. Tyler. Don't call me hard hands, Mott over there uh, <laughs> for his in between the legs top shelf goal in the third period on Thursday. What a goal! That <laughs> so guy, pretty. When he resigns, that guy's gonna get paid. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. They, like he will get paid. He'll he'll probably move up a couple spots on on somebody's depth chart for sure. And it's it's it. You look at it, and the type of player that he started as into what he's actually become now is nothing short than phenomenal. Because I mean, he was such a huge part for the Canucks the last couple of years, especially that one that one playoff run. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, people now look at him, and they know who a fourth liner is. Like, yeah, n- there's not a lot of lot of fan bases that know who a fourth liner is. No, no, I, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, I, but let's be honest. Tyler Mock can play up and down the lineup. I was gonna say he could easily be a second line player. Yeah. on another team. No, he definitely could yeah. be. Oh yeah, or even on this team. But you know, it's one of those things. But he he could play up and down the lineup. That's what makes him very valuable on a depth chart. So you're absolutely right. I mean, he's on everyone's radar now. No, he yeah he he can play anywhere on the ice. That he's he's the type of player that he's he's a utility guy. Is what yeah. it is. Yeah, he is. And so he could literally play up and down wherever you need him to go. Mm-hmm. So that's that. I think that's what makes him such actually a special player, especially for being a third, fourth liner. Yep. Right. So, well, hundred percent. You get some size, you get some toughness, and you get some skill. That's like the dream. That's the guy you want on that line. It's like the old, uh, you know, Gilmore a little. You know, like uh, you're getting a skilled player who can really, who can, who can really muck it up for who you. Who can muck it up? Yeah, and, and intimidate. Too. Yeah. Intimidate <laughs> yeah. is another big thing. Oh, big time. So, um, but yeah, so, and, and you know, another guy who's another good utility player is JT Miller. Another guy, he could play every position on the ice except for goalie. He'd probably play goalie too. He'd probably play, yeah, I was just going to say, he probably could. <laughs> but uh, that's one of those things. Um, 
So another shout-out I wanted to make was to Scott Walker. Uh, he's been heading up the penalty kill since the arrival with the Boudreaux era. And uh, last I checked, I think even with the poor three-game stretch here, uh, it's at about 85%. Um, it was at 89% going into that stretch. So a huge improvement from the last-place penalty kill we had prior to the Boudreaux era. So uh, big shout-out to Scotty Walker. Is this the same Scott Walker that used to play for, I believe it was Nashville? Well, we had a we had Scotty Walker here. Was it, okay, so it was yeah. the same. Okay, so yeah. it was the same. The is that the same Scotty Walker? Yeah. And it's crazy to think that. Okay, so and I remember this. Okay, so if it was that same Scotty Walker, like I, I, it's crazy to think that the type of player that he was. I mean, he wasn't really a top six guy. Yeah. So, but for him to come in and then coach a team to be able to do what they've been doing at eighty nine percent. Yeah. Like that's that's a great stat. He was always known as a very as a good a, a brilliant hockey mind though he, during his time in the NHL a lot of he people just talked didn't about his have the skill acumen. for it. Yeah. That's right. And that's and that's tough. The fact that he has the uh, the hockey IQ but just not the skill to go along with it. I mean, that it, that's what makes you a valuable player and obviously he shows now that's what makes him such a valuable part of an organization. Like he comes in and he's running this PK this PK situation and they're running at 89%. Like that's you're laughing. Like that's that's an unbelievable stat line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, again, I want to remind listeners if they want to call in, we got a few. We got about fifteen minutes left in the episode. Uh, 604-851-6307. But uh, I want to move on and talk about Evander Kane. Uh, so it's looking like the Oilers and uh, you know uh, the Canucks were in the conversation, but they've they haven't really shown a lot of interest. Uh, he came through the Giants just after your tenure with them. Uh, did. You ever play with uh, Kane there? Um, I no. You know what? I didn't. Um, actually, uh, did he? Was he on the Mem Cup team the following year? He was. I, I think, think he was. I think yeah. he was on the Mem Cup team. So, I actually have a funny story about Evander Kane. I don't know if I can. I can tell it. <laughs> I mean, it happened in the Roxy. It's okay. totally PG though. Okay. Well, let's hear it. So, and this was when. I had already graduated from from playing junior, and he was now on the team. And so I guess he showed up after a game. He was still in a suit. Oh, maybe I – actually, no, it doesn't matter now. He's already gotten in so much more trouble. Since I was then. just going to say. <laughs> I don't so, think you're going to surprise yeah, anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he, he, he was at the Roxy after a game one night. So he was still in a suit. I mean, he's looking pretty dapper. And uh, I don't know if you guys know the Roxy that well. Uh, I'm familiar. So when you go in, you have the bar on your right-hand side, you go to the dance floor and the stage, and you go to that second bar right there, and there's the washroom right beside it. Yeah. And beside the washroom and the bar, there's a little tiny walkway, literally the size of this table, right? It's literally like two and a half feet wide, maybe. Yeah. He sees me, and I'm a few sheets to the wind, and he says, hey, Mitch, how are you, buddy? I'm like, holy, Gainer, good to see you, man. We, we, we talk back and forth. We, we shoot, we shoot the crap a little bit there. And all of a sudden I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a drink. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you one. He's like, yeah, no problem. I, I turn around to go down that little tiny walkway. There's a stool in the way that I don't see. I hit this stool. My legs get all tangled up. I fall into this little beer cart that's <laughs> on the, the, that's at that second bar right there. Yeah. And I'm just, beers are everywhere now. Oh, everybody's no. staring at me. Kane looks at me, walks away. <laughs> Doesn't even say bye, just walks away. <laughs> no, so, help. no help. And I don't blame him because I wouldn't want to be seen with me either at that time. Oh, man. Oh, that's <laughs> priceless. That's awesome. Uh, well, did you, did you, 
Did you at least get to finish your night there, or was that kind of the end of the night? I, you know what? I th- I think at that point I was just like, you know what? I need to go home. <laughs> Even though I mean it wasn't. It, I mean I, I didn't see the stool because it was Smart dark. It's a dark area. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> could have happened to anyone. Really, it could've really could. It really yeah. could have happened to yeah. anybody. But I mean, yeah. So it, in this was a couple of years later. So when they won the Mem Cup. I was in the with like a bunch of the graduating players from the season before. So the season before that was the the Memorial Cup in Moncton. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of the graduating players that were no longer with the team. I think there was about six of us. We actually got invited by the Giants organization to come watch the the Mem Cup game. Yeah, <laughs> there were no seats available in the entire building. This is when it was still at the Coliseum. So there were zero seats left in the building, and so they basically had to shove us into the radio or into the music box with the guy that plays the music all around so there's eight of us crammed into this tiny little booth that's literally fit for four people (laughs) so we got guys like there's me there's uh mark fistrick who ended up playing uh, a little bit for dallas and then i think he got traded to edmonton at one point uh gilbert brule yeah you guys all know who brule is no, no, I never heard of him. No, 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 not once, not once. Um, no. <laughs> couple, a uh, couple of hometown guys that live out in Poco and uh, and Delta. Yeah, and great players. Yeah, yeah. Well, hometown play, hometown guys, right? Yeah, good old so, boys. And so BC boys. Yeah, B- BC boys. Um, and so there's like eight of us crammed in this little four person booth, and so they ended up calling us down to go onto the bench for the celebration. So we're all down on the bench during the celebration when they win, they win the Mem Cup. And so Luch is there. Luch is on the ice winning it. And so he's coming to say hi to us. And uh, sorry, Milan Lucic for yeah. those of yeah. you that, for the, them that are listening that don't know who he is, but you know who he is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and then we're in the room afterwards and Kaner comes up to me. He's like, hey, Bartz, uh, do you remember that night? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you, you beetled real quick oh, out of it. He's yeah. like, yeah, I didn't want to be seen with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You're you're hoping that he'll you'll you can make a best a better second impression, right? But immediately, I'll never get. You know what? I'll, you know what? At, at this point, right now, I'm like, he's got me beat. Yeah, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's got me beat now. He's so got you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh man. So I mean, the NHL All Star Game uh, coming up. They announced the rosters and the captains uh, for the for that. So uh, Ovechkin, Matthews, McKinnon, and McJesus named as the captains. Um, now, Thatcher Demko, the sole Canucks selected. Did GM? Did, did JT Miller get shafted here? I mean, he's habitually underrated by everyone, including myself, unfortunately. But oh, and we have a call coming in, so we're just going to take that. I want to remind everybody, my family's listening. Please keep it classy. <laughs> All right, you're on the air. You're live with Bush League. Hey, uh, my name's Kenny. Uh, listen, first of all, I just want to uh, give you guys a call and just say uh, I appreciate the podcast, man. I can't get out to a lot of those Can- Abbotsford Canucks games, but it's great to be in tune with what's going on. And uh, when I can get out to them, I'll be uh, I'll be all up to date and on par. And uh, and Mitch Bartley, man, I got to tell you, you're one of my favorite Giants to watch. Uh, it's awesome that you're on the podcast. Um, so thanks for coming on. I actually had a question for you. Um, I wanted to know, um, I mean, you played a lot of seasons with the Giants, and I know in one of your last seasons, I mean, you played with a lot of, I mean, a lot of good players that obviously went on to play in the NHL, like, uh, you know, Cody Franson and Jonathan Bloom and uh, Luch and Brule, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on playing with guys like Luch and Brule and maybe that 05, 06 season, uh, if you have anything you can share. Well, it, like, and I think I touched on this last week, like, it was such a, it was such a special season for us, because... Yeah. We like, and I said this last week. We were the team to beat. 
Like we we maybe had a do- like I said we maybe maybe had a dozen losses on the season, and so the the group of guys that we were that we had on that team that year is that we whenever we did something we would literally call everybody like hey guys we're going to do this like yeah. get the boys let's go nobody was left out and that's I think that's something that you don't really see in a lot of team sports like there's always yeah. cliques where, yeah like you, you there's literally cliques everywhere and so that one season we had none. Because everybody knew what we wanted, we knew the type of team we had, and we knew the, the the flavor of players that we had on our team, and they knew their jobs exactly. And so everybody went out there and did their jobs. Unfortunately, I mean, we came up short, but like it, like I said, it was such a special team to be a part of, and yeah, we and we'll always remember that season. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you you touched on that in so much depth last week. Uh, it, was, no, it, was, it was great. Listen, man, like, uh, I I mean, I live out in Maple Ridge, and uh, I used to drive out and watch you guys play all the time that oh, year. Oh, I appreciate uh, that. It was a ton of fun. So, listen, uh, I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up, and uh, and thanks for making the time for me, guys. Hey, thanks, Kenny. Thanks for calling in, man. I appreciate it. You got it. Take care, Kenny. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it, what a great experience that must have been. And it really, I thought a lot about the story you were telling last week about going on the road and, and hitting it, you know, going out east for that. And it really just hit home and made me just kind of picture, like get into this almost dream world of thinking about myself and your situation. And it really was incredible. I really appreciate you sharing that last week because it was, it was something to think about. Like the run for the Memorial Cup. I mean, aside from the Stanley Cup, that is the trophy. You know, like. Yeah. I oh. mean, and that, and that was my 20-year-old year. Like that was my last season to actually do something yeah. in, in the league. So it's it, it, it would have been super special for something like that. But like I said, unfortunately, we just, we didn't have the gas in the tank. And yeah. uh, we, we, we kind of got away from ourselves in terms of we realized where we were. And so yeah. it, 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 it was tough to keep, keep up the, the way that we were doing things. And I know that doesn't, that doesn't really explain it properly, but it's just it, that's probably the best way that I could explain it. Well, you know, one thing I've learned in my life is it's the journey, not the destination. And the fact that you really touch on that, that journey you took towards that Memorial Cup, chasing the Memorial Cup was probably a more valuable experience than even winning the cup itself. So I think that, that you got what you wanted to out of that, but it was made extra special by the fact it was your last year too. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, no, and I, I'll, like I said, I'll never forget it. Uh, top down from that, that organization top down is just first class. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's absolutely amazing the way that they, t- they take care of their players. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like, and I, like I said earlier, is that Ron Toygo, the owner of the team, he makes it a point to know all the players by first name and that they know him. Yeah. So that sure. if they actually have a problem that they can't speak to anybody to, like he was the one to go to if you actually had a real problem that you couldn't take care of. Yeah. And so then that's, and that's, I think that's why it made the team, the team so special because everybody knew that we could trust anybody in the organization. That's huge. When it's not just in the dressing room, like you said, you guys all went along on different different adventures together. But when it goes up through the organization as well, what a what a great experience that must have been. Now, I wanted to touch on this real quick. The KHL has suspended the season for a week because of COVID. Uh, you know, it was surprising. I hadn't really heard about a lot about how Russia was dealing with COVID, so that was interesting to kind of get that information. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that how that remains well, so as well. It, it's it's actually funny. You oh, we it. just have another oh, we, we have another caller coming in as well. So, hi, you're on with Bush League Live. Hey there, just a uh, long time listener. Got a question for the guest, Mitch Bartley. There, 
for sure. Okay, uh, go who, ahead. Who are we speaking with? I'm talking to Marty. Oh, hey, Marty. Okay, go ahead. Just looking at uh, some of your stats and your pictures from the days with the Giants, did everybody get frosted tips, or was it just yourself? <laughs> I can appreciate this question because I've been asked this multiple times. Um, that was a thing that we had going on that year at the start of the year. Everybody had to get frosted tips for their... Uh, for their no for way. their team pictures, but like my hair's so dark, and yeah. I only did the one single um, bleach job, I guess. Yeah, like, not long enough, so it ended up turning like orange, <laughs> and then it turned it up, it ended up turning like yellow, and so it was just, it looked it looked awesome. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I thought I thought it looked awesome, but that's just me. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, for, all right, Marty. Well, thanks for the question, man. Yeah, thanks, Marty. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, cheers, man. Hey, uh, Marty. Oh, he's gone. We lost him. <laughs> if if Marty wants to call us back, we've uh, we got a couple tickets with your name on it for for uh, probably one of the funniest questions I've had asked <laughs> on the show. Poor Mitch, though. I think he caught him off guard with oh that one. Oh my god, I but, wasn't expecting that one. Oh, that's funny. All right, but anyways, so uh, we are kind of running out of time here. I think we're gonna have to wrap her up. But uh, you know, I gotta say, so I want to touch on this at the end of the show here. In Abbotsford, we had the floods back in November. It's easy for us a lot of us to move on with our lives and forget about it. And I just want people to know the, the, the relief efforts are still ongoing. And for those that uh, were impacted by the floods back in November, I, I found a bunch of GoFundMe pages that, you know, I really recommend people go on to GoFundMe and check it out. It's a lot of very individual stories and you can give some money to help them just on an individual level. I, to me, that's just uh, a little more impactful. It's a little more personal for me. So I really thought that was cool. Definitely go on and check that out folks. And, uh, you know, well, that I mean, that's all the time we really have for this week. So, uh, you know, next week I'll be joined by legendary goalie coach uh, Eli Wilson, goaltending review for both the Canucks organizations. Uh, I'll also have Crazy P back on the program to talk about the NFL playoffs. He's a big Steelers fan, so he's rooting for them. But, uh, you know, we got the NFL playoffs coming in, and he's going to come in and teach me a few things about it. So there we go. And um, so don't miss next week there, folks. Big show, Saturday, 3 p.m., same time on Civil Radio 101.7. Hey, Mitch, you know, hopefully we can convince you to come back again in the future. It has been an absolute blast and an honor to have you as a guest co-host for the past couple of weeks. Honestly, Carl, the uh, the pleasure's been all mine. Yeah, we've really enjoyed it. So we'll keep in touch. Maybe we can get you back in again uh, as we get closer to the playoff times here for uh, for the Absurd Canucks. Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, all right, until next week, folks, I'm your host, Carl Ungren, signing off. Up next is Chill Road's place on Silver Radio 101.7 in Abbotsford, serving the Fraser Valley, broadcasting from the traditional unceded Stolo territory. We out, folks.